podcast for the week of June 12th, 2022. And joining me in our podcast studio today is not Marissa Carter and not Dave McPherson. We have taken a huge step up. Both (laughs) Marissa and Dave are out on vacation. And so I've pulled in a couple of our summer interns, uh, and I want to introduce them to you and have them just share a little bit about uh, who they are. And then we're going to jump into Jonah chapter four. But uh, first, I have uh, Joseph Ragsdale here with me. He is a student at the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, but you're originally from the Tulsa area. You grew up in this area. Yes, sir. Okay, so I understand, too, that you—how old are you, Joseph? 21. 21. So I understand that you actually played upward basketball with my sons. Yes, sir. Eighth grade. Dang, I feel old. (laughs) I feel so old. So what are you studying at Southern? So I'm getting my bachelor in business and then my master divinity in a program that they call the seminary track, five-year program to get both degrees. All right. So you're, you're double timing it. So, so far, what's been your favorite course that you've taken at seminary? And then what's your least favorite course? And your professors are probably listening. They probably are. My first, my favorite course is uh, New Testament two with Dr. Thomas Schreiner. Absolutely love him. And uh, my least favorite course are my business classes because what? I like theology. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a business major too. So okay. are you focusing on management, marketing? What do you have a particular Administration. focus? Administration. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably fall asleep in yes. that class too. That's all right. Yeah. So in, enjoy your seminary days. I, um, boy, I remember taking Baptist history. Mm. Um, and I had grown up in a Baptist church and I took a Baptist history course and I was like, okay, for the first time in my life, I understand how we got here. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was pretty insightful. So uh, also joining me is Lauren Sutherland. Sutherland. Okay. <laughs> we, we had a long discussion before we uh, started recording this about the current correct pronunciation of her name. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> and it's just, a, you know, she has such a, so many syllables, you just kind of fade off somewhere yeah. in the middle. So Sutherland. So yeah. um, Lauren, you are finishing up at what school? Oklahoma State. And have you finished? Have you graduated? I did. I graduated early May. Congratulations. Thank you. What was your degree in? Strategic Communication and a minor in Religious Studies. All right. Very good. Now, you are also launching into ministry. I am. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So at Oklahoma State, I really got plugged into our BCM there. Um, So I'm going on staff with OSU BCM, hopefully in the upcoming August, to be their freshman women coordinator. Okay. So you're working with Paul Lewis, too, who was an intern here like a decade ago. So remind (laughs) me. Him and I actually had the same intern position last summer. So he was technically the women's youth intern because they couldn't find one. And so Matt called him up and was like, hey, we have an intern position. Here's the title. That's not what you are. But so Paul and I got to connect over that, too. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, you're also self-funding this ministry, right? I am. Yes. Okay. So this summer, part of what Lauren is doing is raising support. So Mm -hmm. if you have interest in college ministry and women's ministry, uh, you can contact Lauren just by calling the church and... uh, if, if you got money, she'll talk to you. Oh, yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Let me know. All right. So I have some brilliant young scholars here around the table with me today, and we're looking at Jonah chapter 4 as we continue in this teaching series uh, on anxiety, lessons from the end of the rope. And Jonah is one of those people that um, 
stress and anxiety, and I'll, I'll call it um, an anger-induced anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so far off the edge, he just said, God, I, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I didn't exist. Uh, so let's start just big picture with Jonah. I want to give just a bit of historical background, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to ask you all to chime in on, on uh, Jonah big picture. So let, let's put a date stamp on him. He's about 800 years before Jesus. Uh, in fact, the hometown that he's mentioned to be from, uh, and I'm, I'm rounding off on that 800. I look, Joseph over here, he's checking his notes. Like that might not be exactly right, but I'm, I'm rounding off about 800 years before Jesus. Uh, and he grew up in a small town not far from Nazareth. And so kind of in the, the hills where Jesus grew up, that was just a couple miles from where Jonah himself grew up. Uh, and he also lived about 80 years, and again, I'm rounding off quite a bit, before Assyria the largest bully on the block before they came in and conquered uh, the northern nation of Israel. Uh, they would demolish, they would destroy, they would deport, and the northern tribes of Israel basically would be no more. So it's within this setting, 800 years before Jesus, 80 years before Assyria comes in and wipes Israel off the map. This is the very people that Jonah is called to go and say, you need to repent. So it's, it's mm. kind of the enemies on the horizon, mm. right? So uh, big picture, uh, Joseph, what do you got? Just something about Jonah we don't know. Wow and amaze us. <laughs> something about Jonah you don't know. Or, or just something that you've learned in the process of preparing for this. My favorite thing about Jonah is that he's not the, the perfect candidate for a perfectly put together Christian. You know, he is, he is flawed and he is angry with God and so often that we can relate to that. And I think that's the most encouraging thing that he's not just a superhero in the Bible that we're like, man, to be like Jonah. But we look at him and we're like, man, we are like Jonah, you know? Yeah, that's really good. And we're all flawed people. And I I still get cracked up when people say, well, I can't be like all those perfect people in the Bible. I'm like, are you and I reading the same Bible? (laughs) Because he is not that. So, uh, Lauren, what do you have uh, as far as Jonah, big picture? Yeah, I think... What I really love about Jonah is that he was somebody who was like ordained by God and then ran away from God. Mm. Because I think that we can all have a moment where we relate to that, where we've all been called to serve and to minister to others. And like, we all have that like one moment that we can think of, of like when God opened that door that we were supposed to walk through. And then we just didn't. And just like Jonah, we ran away. Um, And I think that being able to relate to him in that way is so cool because he's so real. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. I love about Jonah is just like, like you were saying, like, he's not a perfect person and nor are we. So like, like when Peter denied Jesus three times, we're like, oh, we would never do that. And we look at Jonah and it's like, oh, I would never do that. Yeah, you have. And yeah, you will. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful about Jonah. Amen. Grace is not just about a second chance. Mm -hmm. It's about a third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, on and on that goes. Um, so, so there's a couple things, big picture of Jonah. It's by the way, this book takes of all five minutes to read. <laughs> and if I'm, if I'm a community group leader, what I might even do. And I've, uh, one time when I preached on Jonah, we did this. I just had somebody read the entire book. Oh, wow. It's one page, takes five minutes, gives a good perspective. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that stand out to me, uh, when Jonah flees from the Lord, he boards a ship and goes in the opposite direction of Nineveh, uh, toward Tarshish. I'm not saying that right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, pronounced Sutherland. Uh, no, it's, it's Tarshish. <laughs> and, um, you know, he does that knowing that he's putting the crew's life in danger, and they, in turn, try to save him. Mm-hmm. It's a quintessential picture that sometimes um, non-Christians 
act better than Christians do. Wow. Jonah mm-hmm. had, had knowingly risked their lives, and they knowingly risked their lives for his sake. Mm-hmm. So we see more nobility in the Gentiles than we do in somebody who professes to be a follower. Absolutely. What I also like in, in Jonah 2 is as he prays in the belly of the fish, um, every quote from that prayer is found in the book of Psalms. And so these are prayers that Jonah had grown up saying. They had kind of become a part of his spiritual vocabulary, but probably they didn't mean too much until he was in the belly of the fish. Yeah. And so that's when all these words started to become real and they started to become personal. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the benefits of running from the Lord, yeah. that often when we start finding our way back, our faith becomes our own. Yeah. Amen. You know. Mm-hmm. So y'all both look like you might have something to say. Joseph, what's on your mind? Um, I think chapter four is probably my favorite of the the short Jonah book, just because it's just when we see him at his worst in a way. And you also see God showing him mercy through that. And one of my favorite things is, is just that even though he was, he was not happy with what God was doing, God graciously provided for him. He provided him a plant, but then he also took it away. And it's just beautiful that, that God is in control and, and gets to do whatever he wants. And Jonah was angry at that, but God still loved him through it, and it's beautiful. Do you think he's petty? God or Jonah? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. Jonah. I think he was petty. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Lauren, what's on your mind? Uh, I was thinking about what you were saying about like the Gentiles uh, trying to save Jonah. I was thinking about this girl by a disciple named Jera. And her and I were talking, and all semester she has been struggling with her, I don't want to say identity, but kind of, of like what she's called to do in life. And she's fighting and fighting and fighting. And finally we meet one week, and I was like, hey, how was your week? And she was like, great, I changed my major. And I was like, ma'am, what? (laughs) And so she told me that she was talking to this guy who was a non-believer atheist in her class. And he looked at her, and he's like, why are you fighting so hard? Like, you know exactly what you want to do. Why aren't you following it? And like... I was a little bit offended because I was like, ma'am, I've been telling you that all year. But like, <laughs> but to see how God still uses those who don't even believe in him to like Absolutely. accelerate his plan for others, like blew my mind. And so to like see a story that relates to uh, from Jonah to that, it's just so cool to see how God continues to use people. Yeah. yeah. All, all truth is God truth, God's truth. And just because somebody doesn't walk with God doesn't mean that sometimes they can't be the voice exactly. of God. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a quote I picked up from a movie on Netflix. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I will not tell you what movie it is because I can't quite recommend it. Although mm-hmm. it was, as movies go, it wasn't all that bad. But there's just one line in the movie that said, you know, it's easy to always be angry rather than to admit that you're sad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's a million-dollar quote right there yeah. from a from a movie on Netflix. Um, and you know what? I, I wonder if that applies here to Jonah as well, that it was so much easier just to play this angry card than to mm. admit that he was just mm-hmm. sad at the state yeah. of the world, at the state of his life. For sure. Uh, so I want to do one thing before we jump really deep into Chapter 4, mm-hmm. is Jonah is not the main character of this story. God is. Mm-hmm. Three times... God changes the storyline. It said God provided a wind that blew this ship off course. Then he provided a fish to swallow Jonah. Then he commanded the fish to vomit Jonah out on a particular shore. You know, he got Jonah. Mm-hmm. So so we see God moving the narrative three times. It said God did this, God did this, mm-hmm. God did this. So as we zoom in on chapter 4, there are also three things that God does. 
First, he provided the vine. Then he provided the worm. Then he sent an east wind. And so really, we see everything that's happened in the book just magnified here in this last chapter. Yeah. So, so let's talk about um, God sending the vine. And this is just, it, it's amazing. Jonah had gotten so dark in his life that every little bit of light just was, I mean, it's just, just a simple vine, but it said he was pleased with a great pleasure, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's stop here for just a moment. And if I'm a teacher, I would say let's just thank God for some of the simple pleasures in life that are good. Yeah. So Amen. for the two of you, what's, don't, don't be spiritual. You know, don't, <laughs> don't say, oh, I like reading my Bible in church, you know. Um, I love running, and when I come home after a long run, biting into a fresh peach is one of life's pure joys, mm-hmm. or eating fresh watermelon, you know, yeah. after a long run. That's just, it's just one of those, it's so simple. Yeah. I don't know why it pleases me so much, but mm-hmm. it does. So, Lauren, what's one of your favorite things? If you could celebrate oh, something yeah, simple. Am I catching you off guard? Maybe Joseph has one first. I have like a few in mind. So okay. for me, from coming home from college, all I ever wanted, and no offense to my parents, was to pet my dogs and to hang out with them because I love my dogs. And so to see their little butts wagging whenever I walk through the door, like, oh, nothing brings me joy just like that. What are your dogs' names? Suki and Joey. Okay. At least you don't have cats. That's good. Amen. Yeah. Cats are not not good. Not good. Yeah. It's just the pleasure of a, yeah. a, a little animal that loves you. Exactly. And like, it's completely like selfless love. Like, well, they gain a lot from it because I feed them, but yeah. like, it's just so sweet. Like they're mm. forever going to love me no matter what state of life I am. Okay. Like, I love them. So, so Joseph, what's a simple pleasure for you? For me, it would just be family time. You know, you're away from school and then you start to realize... I really do love my family (laughs) and I long to be back together and have big parties. And so being home this summer has just been beautiful because getting together with our whole family, having fun, playing games, cooking out. I mean, that is just, it's beautiful. What do you like to cook out? Burgers and hot dogs. Okay. Yes, sir. (laughs) So let's say God took away burgers and hot dogs and took away your dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, it would, uh, you know, that, that would probably ding your confidence. Mm -hmm. So, so these are good gifts. I wonder if what God is trying to get through to Jonah is something in theological circles we call common grace. Mm-hmm. That here is a simple vine that God has put over his head. And by the way, there this was a vine that would grow in this part of the the Eastern world, and everyone who built a lean-to would plant these vines um, next to these lean-tos, and they would, and we still do it today, these vines grow up rather quickly over the lean-to and provide shade and cool. God had not only provided that for Jonah, he'd also provided that for all the people of Nineveh. Mm-hmm. And maybe what Jonah was angry at was this idea that, God, you're being good to me, thank you, but you're also being good too good to other people. Yeah. Wow. And so that would make him a little bit bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it about us that we don't like it when God blesses other people besides us? We're selfish. <laughs> we are. Like, that's, I think, what we can all relate to about Jonah is, like, he... <laughs> like he gets mad at God for having grace for others. And mm. I think that there's moments in our lives where we have these people who've hurt us, who have done these things and you see them thriving. And it's like, why am I not God? Like I've mm. done all these things and all this stuff. Like, why am I not thriving like they are? And we wish that we were, and we have what they have. And I think Jonah seeing that and seeing these people that he genuinely like hates and God loving them just like he loves him. And it's like, well, I thought I was the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if if I'm the if God, if I'm your favorite, how come you're treating other people just as good or sometimes even better mm-hmm. than me? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
So Jonah's a little bit ticked off that God is, and by the way, Jesus would echo this. Um, he, he said, you know, God sends the sun to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. Uh, this common grace that has infused our world. So, so J- Jonah takes great delight uh, in this shade, but then comes the bug, the worm. And probably the, the word used here is probably would be better translated as beetle. Uh, any, either one of you like bugs all that much? Joseph, you look like you collect bugs. <laughs> Not even close. No. <laughs> uh-uh. Bugs are my biggest fear in life. Amen. The reason I got a boyfriend was to kill bugs. Like, that's okay. it. So. That, hey, that, that word. So, so quick question for both mm-hmm. of you. People either fear spiders or snakes. So which Snakes, one? big time. You hate snakes, really? Absolutely hate them. Okay. All right. Spiders well. any day. Okay. I can, I, I don't like snakes either, but like spiders. Ugh. What about yeah. you? You know what? Uh, neither one really bothered me all that much. I think if wow. I if I had to tip toward one, um, probably spiders just creep me out because yeah. they look they look just look creepy. They're icky. They do. Yeah. So, but I tell my wife, don't kill spiders. They're they're the good guys, right? That's yeah. right. I mean, not the black widows. Yeah. Um, so let's imagine instead of the worm, let's imagine a creepy crawly spider <laughs> crawling up. <laughs> and Lauren just uh, left the room. She's yeah. done. She's out. You know. Uh, and it destroys the vine. What is what is God saying through sending the worm? I read um, in some commentary that the Hebrew word for anger actually meant to like be hot. And so um, with him sending the worm or the creepy crawly spider or whatever you want it to be in your head um, and destroying and eating the plant, he made Jonah physically hot as well as angry. And so I think God wanted him to physically feel the mental that he was feeling as well. For sure. Yeah. Isn't it incredible how we don't change? I mean, all these years later, 2,800 years later, we still we still say mm-hmm. we boil with anger. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know? It mm-hmm. is. And it's also a reminder of like, I think God did that, and I could be wrong, but just to show him that God's ways are not our ways. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of like in Romans 9, where it says, who are you to answer back to God? Mm-hmm. And then again, in Romans 11, where it says, who has been God's counselor? No one has. You know, God does what he wants to do, and he has that right. So it's almost like he's saying, look at this, Jonah. I'm going to graciously provide a plant for you, but I can take it away if I want to, and I'm just in that, and you should worship me in both, you know? There you go, in the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me let me read into this just a little bit. I Be careful when I'm next to a seminary student. I'm talking about <laughs> reading into the Bible. Um, throughout the Older Testament, Israel... The picture is often used of Israel being the vine, mm-hmm. being a vine in God's vineyard. And it could be that part of the message here is Assyria one day is going to crawl down to Israel and they're going to devour the vine. Wow. But you have to trust me. Yeah. You have to trust me even in that, even in destruction. Trust me. I love the quotes from from um, Romans. Isn't it interesting? Part of our anger and our anxiety may just be that we're not letting God be God, mm-hmm. and we're not trusting Him enough that He would do things that violate what we think ought to happen. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So then uh, God sends the east wind, insult on injury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I love it when I read um, archaeologists and people who've studied this, and, he, and I was reading one scholar who actually lived in the area that during certain times of the year, uh, there's a wind that would come in off the Arabian desert called the Socorro. Mm-hmm. It still happens to this day. And this east wind would cause the air temperature to rise as much as 22 degrees. Oh so word. imagine, wow. I mean, it's already hot. 
-hmm. it's already 90 degrees outside but then the Saqqara jacks it up to you know 110 plus good so much so that um Boy, it just reminds me of growing up in West Texas. So, <laughs> yeah. Have either one of you ever lived in a desert, been in a desert? No. no, sir. Oh, you're missing it. I love desert. I love the desert climate. But there's times where you just literally bake. Yeah. And so what is God trying to do through the wind? I think he's just trying to reemphasize his point. Because I think that a lot of times we can continue to miss it and miss it and miss it. And I know for a fact in my life that there's been times where God's just had to like send that wind. He destroyed the plant and I didn't get the hint and he sent the wind and I didn't get the hint and he talked to me and I didn't get the hint and so on and so forth until finally, like I was like, oh God, I get it now. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. duh. And so um, I think that's what he's doing here with Jonah of being like, come on, come on, come on. And like, he keeps questioning Jonah as well during this time of like, do you deserve to be angry? Like. I've saved these people and like you're mad and like I think that we have to reach this point sometimes of where we're almost on the verge of like like how Jonah's like I want to die I don't want to be here take me away yeah. and we have to get to that point to understand what God's trying to do so so rephrase that just a bit because mm -hmm. I don't know that any of us would say I wish I were never born that's not in our yeah language mm -hmm. today what what are some equivalents to that what what do people say when they say I've given up on life I think for my personal experience and for those I've talked to, it deals a lot with like anxiety and depression of like, I can't take this anymore. Mm -hmm. That's a good phrase. Yeah. That's what I think of a lot. I, I think too, uh, I hate my life. <laughs> we often hear people say that Definitely. and sometimes they say it tongue in cheek. Yeah. But there are times and you know, I was sick a couple of weeks ago and I, I mentally heard myself saying, I hate my life. <laughs> and I don't really, I just felt that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Any other phrases we use? I might be fishing on a, in a dry lake here. Maybe. I don't know. I can't really think of any. I've probably said them a million times, though, to think of it. Yeah. I give up, you know, just coming to the yeah. end of your ropes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you just want to stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to kind of end or, or round us off here, and I'm going to ask for any last big nuggets you all have here in just mm -hmm. a minute. Uh, I want to end with that idea of Jonah's anger and his anxiety being linked that he was so worried about what God, what, what he thought others deserved, mm -hmm. what he thought he deserved, what he thought he didn't deserve. I mean, all this plays out, and he's, his anger is just fueling his, his anxiety. Um, kind of the idea here is Jonah didn't have to stay out where he was under mm -hmm. a plant that had died at any point. He could have walked back into Nineveh. There would have been shade. There would have been other plants growing by other lean-tos. Mm. And he could have found relief. Yeah. The thing is that he didn't. Mm -hmm. In his own stubbornness, he continued to fuel his anxiety through his anger. And oftentimes in the Scripture, God's love is referred to as a shelter. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe one thing we need to drive home in our community groups is so much of our anxiety can be self-inflicted when all the time there's the shelter of Christ and His forgiveness Amen. and His protection. So, last big ideas. Um, who wants to go first? I can. Who, who's more Absolutely. brilliant? All right, Lauren, go ahead. <laughs> what can I say? Um, for me, I, in this past season of life, really dealt with a lot of anger. Um, I had some major traumas happen during my senior year, 
and I was so angry at God because I was like, dude, this is it. Like, I'm I'm done with college. Like, what are we doing here? There's I wasn't that phrase, done yet. dude, this is it. Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. Um, I have a habit of talking to God and calling him dude and homeboy and things like that. Like, <laughs> G- God, Jesus and I are very close. But um, so I uh, was going through this season Lightning of Lightning will be striking the church sometime <laughs> this next week. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But I was in this stage of life where, like, literally, like, my therapist is, like, making, like, arrangements for me to come in because like my life was just so terrible and I was just in this like angry state and my anxiety was getting worse and worse and worse and I was trying to do all the right things and all this stuff and finally one time I was driving and I was praying and I was like saying all the right things of like Jesus I trust you and da 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 and then finally I got to this red light and someone cut me off and I just lost it and I start sobbing in my car and I'm like Jesus I don't anymore like I don't know what's going on I don't know the plan like what's going on here and the instant relief I felt with being honest with God about that was like so relieving and so I finally found my shelter like you were saying in being honest with God and being real with him and from that point on I was able to heal a lot of what I was going through um, and it took a lot. It wasn't an easy fix by any means, no instant fixes, but that anger that I had brought me so close to Christ mm. once I admitted to him how angry yeah. I was. And um, in relating it back to Jonah, uh, his last words actually aren't in his book. It's in Daniel 9.9. And he falls on his face and he's like, I don't know the exact wording, but it's something along the lines of like, God, you're so good, things like mm. that. And I think that we all get to that point um, and I was able to get there as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You'll never say anything to God that's going to permanently damage your relationship mm-hmm. with him. Absolutely. Yeah. You should be able to say anything you want to. And that, that sounds like irreverent, mm-hmm. irreverence, but at the same time, we have a father. And as, as my children relate to me, I want them to feel free to say whatever they want to, mm-hmm. to me, For because sure. it'll often be the breakthrough of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Joseph, what you got? One thing that was very interesting to me that I read in a commentary, and correct me if this is wrong, uh, Matthew wrong. Henry's. Okay, <laughs> never mind. No. No, I'm just kidding. Go Matthew ahead. Henry's wonderful full Bible commentary. He was talking about how Jonah's anger shows that he had only delivered the message of wrath against the Ninevites, and had not at all assisted or encouraged them in their repenting. And it's something I'd never thought about. I just preached my first sermon on a Sunday this past two weeks ago now um, over Isaiah 65. Mm-hmm totally contrasted with Jonah. Um, The prophet Isaiah, he did an an excellent job of delivering the message of God's wrath to the Israelites, but Mm -hmm. also he gave them a message of hope. He shows them that there's hope for the hopeless um, in chapter 65, which is what I preached over. And so it's just a reminder that Jonah didn't do that. And he was mad and he chose chose anger instead of continuing to fulfill what what God had called him to do. And it's, it's... it's also a reminder as an aspiring preacher, Lord willing, that I can't just sit there and damn people to hell because they're sinners. But I also have to remind them, just like Isaiah and so many wonderful prophets do, that there's hope for you in Christ of eternal life. And you cannot just stop with the judgment. You have to encourage believers, un- unbelievers and, and bring them into your fold. Yeah, that's exactly right. As as God is patient, so we should practice that patience too. And don't be surprised when people in the world act like people in the world. Yeah. I mean, it just it's just the way it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll end here with the words of Jesus, which I think is the appropriate place for us to end. Out of Luke 11, uh, verse 32, it says, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, 
someone greater than Jonah is here. And so uh, Jonah is not only a, a picture of a very broken prophet in the Older Testament, he's also a foreshadowing of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus, too, went to the enemies of uh, his land. You know, he went into a rebellious territory of earth, mm-hmm. and he presented the message of judgment, but also of repentance. And he is the one that is greater than Jonah. Amen. Mm-hmm. And thank God for God's infinite patience. Amen. So. Amen. Well, I appreciate um, my, my two cohorts here today. I think I'm going to look at Jeff in the sound booth. He can't speak to us today. He's he's silent. But uh, if you, thumbs up or thumbs down, we could have Dave and Marissa next week or keep having uh, Joseph and Lauren back. Okay, he wants these two back. They're in. So, so Dave and Marissa, if you're listening, uh, pack up your offices by the end of the day. We found new help around here. Oh, my gosh. Now, we do have a great group of interns. We have eight interns that are working with us this summer. Uh, some have returned from last year. Some are brand new. Uh, just a great group of students. And part of our mission as a church is to um, to invest in them as they prepare to impact the future. So glad you guys are on staff this summer. Thank you for Thank having you. us. And thanks for joining me. And now uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen.